Yeah, well, I had started Redlands Opera Theater with my best friend five years ago. Uh huh. So Redlands Opera Theater was our opera company, and it was a professional company, but it was localized in Redlands. And so we started that in 2012, and it was an interesting, you know, it was an interesting experience because. The thing that I found... Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get on to my show. Howdy folks, welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. It's been a long time, a couple months at least. I've been focusing on this other podcast uh, that I have every single day. It's kept me uh, in the tall grass uh, for sure. It's called Living with a Genius Daily. It's an almanac podcast. So I pick a birth or a death or an event on that day in history and uh, talk about it. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're okay. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you listen to it. Uh, But it's kept me uh, in the tall grass, let's say. I'm trying to get my feet under me. If any of you listening want to help me out, I need a copywriter. I need people to help me uh, promote it and uh, moral support. Maybe a nice email will do. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I've got a great uh, guest today. Krista Stevens is her name. She's a singer here in town in Los Angeles. She's from Redlands, California, which coincidentally uh, I am as well. I was born in Redlands and spent uh, quite a number of years there. My mother was born in Redlands. My grandmother, grandparents were born in San Bernardino as well as my great-grandparents. So we have deep roots out in the Inland Empire. And uh, Krista uh, went to University of Redlands and uh, also started an opera company in Redlands called Redlands Opera Theater, which is now uh, turned into Inland Opera. She's busy all over town. She sings everywhere. She's a, um, an administrator. And this particular episode, I think, is going to be really interesting to uh, people who are still in school, people who are in college, people who are in high school who want to study music, uh, and people in college who wonder what they're going to do when they graduate. We all have ideas of what we want to do when we're in college. And sometimes, uh, well, most often, reality is a little bit different. Even if you are singing principal roles all over the world, it may not be what you think it is. And Krista is a great uh, example in how to make a living in music. I make a living in music. She does as well. All of my colleagues do. And as my teacher at Cal State Fullerton, Mark Goodrich, used to say, there are a million ways to skin a cat. And uh, listening to Krista reminds me that we all have... Uh, the capacity to make a living in music, whether or not you learn how to do that when you're in school. And uh, just don't give up. Keep going. Don't quit. It's a great life. It's not the easiest life, but, you know, I don't think any any uh, choice and profession makes, uh, you know, makes it easy. So, I don't know. Anyway, that's the end of my rant. Here's Krista Stevens. So, you, you told me on the phone that you've been studying piano for mm-hmm. a long time. When did you start studying piano? I started, well, my parents were both music majors, and they were both pianists, and so in the home that I grew up in, I always grew up in a home with with access to a piano, Mm -hmm. and just, you know, my my parents being such wonderful pianists, I grew up with the influence of classical music pretty much since birth, and I wanted to play, 
Um, and my parents, you know, I, I think when I was maybe five or something, I wanted to start. My mother insisted that I wait until I was seven, eight years old. So before you started studying, yeah. I mean, were your parents professional musicians? Is that um, how they made well, a they, they actually, my father's composed music that's been performed um, in various places um, in America and Europe. And they both, my mother was was a choral director. So mm-hmm. they actually are just newly retired teachers. My father ended up becoming a history teacher, a U.S. history teacher. Mm-hmm. Let me fix the mic again. Oh, oh sure. No, just keep talking exactly oh, okay. you're talking. And, um, and then my mother was, was a choral director. So they didn't end up, you know, going into professional, you know, performance careers like I did, but they certainly, you know, had the the education and, and uh, yeah, so I just was exposed to it and I started playing when I was about eight mm-hmm. and I was not very disciplined in my practicing, I have to say. Well, I don't think many people are, are they? So, at that age. Well, I mean, it, it, I was... You know, I was a pretty serious student and everything. I don't know. I just, yeah. my mom basically said, I'm not going to give you lessons if you're not going to practice. Well, so. <laughs> it's really hard. It's got to be really hard taking lessons from your mom, too. You know, I... Or maybe I, it's difficult for a mom giving a kid lessons. I lose my patience with my kids all the time. So I, f- I find that for piano, we're going yeah, to hire somebody. Maybe on some subconscious level, that was it. I don't know. I You know, I never really thought about it that hmm. way. Maybe if it had been an outside... Yeah. That's that's plausible. But at some point, you know, I had enough of a foundation that I could go back to it myself. I've always been very independent. My Mm -hmm. mom said from the time that I was a child, I, you know, she was worried because I wouldn't talk, you know, and and she thought maybe something was wrong with me. And then one day she said, I just opened my mouth and started forming perfectly, you know, formatted sentences. And I, I think I've just always been someone that's observed and waited and kind of done things when I knew I could do them well on my own time. Are you an only child? No, but I'm the oldest. And uh-huh. I'm, I am like the stereotypical late bloomer. All major milestones in my life, if they have already happened, have happened a little bit later. I was put in school when I was on the younger because I was uh, reading fluently when I was quite young. Yeah. And so um, We're very much alike that way. Yeah. yeah. But socially, you yeah. know, it's a little hard when you're young because even though academically I was there – you know, in in terms of childhood development, you know, every year really matters. And I think in retrospect, my parents realized there were some things that were hard just socially because I was, oh, I've always been on the younger side of things. Um, Did you, and you grew up in Redlands, is that right? I did. So to answer, to get back to the piano, yes. Yes. So when I decided I was good and ready, I went back to the instrument and I, I, you know, just taught myself the rest. There There were enough basics that I, you know, could pick it up pretty easily. And I, I I did pretty well with it. I started giving some lessons in my neighborhood when I was about 15 because I sang in an advanced chamber choir and we were traveling and touring a lot. When you were 15? uh, Well, I think I was about 15. I sang in the chamber choir when I was 17 and 18. This was in your middle school? You had... No, uh, I can't... Tell me about your schooling. How did you get uh, that kind of exposure? I didn't have any choir in high school even. (laughs) Okay, so when I was... When I was in seventh grade, I my dream was to be a professional actor. I, I actually did my first Shakespearean production when I was 12. In seventh grade, I was Helena in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with the theater, and I loved reading, and I decided I wanted to teach literature, and I wanted to train and be, you know, a very serious 
classically trained actor. That mm-hmm. was what I wanted to do. But I also had this music background with the piano and everything. Um, but I was very much in moving in the direction of literature and the theater. And, and then when I was in ninth grade, uh, at the time in Redlands, Redlands High School was the only public school. Now there's three public high schools. At that time, Redlands High School was it. Sure. And there were so many of us that they actually had to take all the freshmen and house us elsewhere. Like we couldn't even be on the main campus because there were that many students. So wow. I was on a, a campus. They took one of the middle schools and converted it into a freshman campus. So I was set on on doing theater, but at the freshman campus, they didn't have theater. They had choirs. So I kind of reluctantly joined the choir, and I thought, I'm going to bide my time until I get to Redlands High School, and then I'm going to go do theater. Mm-hmm. Well, I so I wasn't even in the advanced choir. I was just in the beginning chorus. And the choir director, like, he he kept telling me, I have to put you in advanced choir. And I said, no. You know, and I had kind of a bad attitude about it, to be honest with you. And you, did you have any formal singing training by that point, or just piano? Uh, no, I mean, I just, I think naturally I was mm-hmm. a good singer. My mother, you know, was you heard quite an accomplished and... singer. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I just, it, yeah. And, and also when I was in elementary school, I went to private school for a couple of years, and I, I did a lot of singing, like leading worship and things like that. So I guess I did have some exposure to singing, but... Mm-hmm. At that point, I was just kind of biding my time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, the choir director wouldn't let it go. He was like, you need to be an advanced choir. And I just fought him tooth and nail. And I said, no, I'm get- when I get to high school, I'm just going to go and I'm going to do theater anyways. Who cares? So he actually went to my parents and got my parents involved and said, your daughter has to be an advanced choir. And actually like, got my parents involved in this whole thing. So finally, I was like, fine, I'll be an advanced choir. So I joined advanced choir and then he started giving me solos and all of that kind of stuff. And then we went to a concert at the high school to see what the choral program was like there. And I I knew nothing Mm -hmm. at that point. And so their chamber choir, the Redlands High School chamber singers are just phenomenally good. They were doing all the big, you know, they were doing the big tour circuit and they were they were just phenomenally Mm -hmm. good Mm -hmm. for a high school chamber choir. And so I thought, well, that's kind of cool. And then I saw a boy, and he was sort of the student accompanist. You know, he was in this in this choral program, and I fell head over heels <laughs> in love with a boy. You did? I did. <laughs> and I thought, I want to be in that choir. Right, right, right. <laughs> so then when I got to high school, I got to, if he knows who he is, and so if he ever hears this, he's probably going to laugh. But I, um, when I be- got, when I was a sophomore and I was at the high school, I wasn't allowed to audition. There used to be a rule that you had to be a junior before you could audition for the advanced choir. So I had to spend a year in non-audition choir. I was starting to get more serious about singing, but I still got involved in the theater department and took acting classes. And mm-hmm. I joined the International Thespian Society. And I got to uh, actually do a little bit of performance work with a couple members of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival that came to our, our school. We had a, a terrific theater program um, at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think their theater program is still quite strong. And so I was, I even directed children's, uh, like short children's plays. So mm-hmm. I was very much involved in theater still, but music started to kick back in. And so then my, my uh, junior year, of course, I auditioned for chamber singers mm-hmm. and I got in. And so, um, and at this point, the boy had graduated because the boy that I fell in love with was two years older than me. So we became actually quite good friends when I was a sophomore and he was a senior. 
Um, but then he graduated. I got into chamber singers. And at that point, I kind of became, you know, I was, you know, a pretty frequent soloist. Mm-hmm. I was at that point, I started I realized like, OK, I actually like I really do have a talent for singing. Was there a point that you remember when you decided to forsake theater in favor of music? I, I don't recall that. I just remember as I, as I was in this chamber choir, I, you know, we were touring all the time. We were doing mm-hmm. festivals and I, I, at some point it kind of clicked like, okay, I'm oh, actually kind of, yeah. I'm kind of good at this, yeah. you know? And I think my voice has some potential. So then my senior year, uh, I actually sang in honor choir, um, and I, uh, and some point in there, I don't remember exactly when it was, but at some point in early high school, my best friend, who was a, a really remarkable pianist, had started teaching piano lessons. And I didn't really have to have a job, but she, I was always kind of under her shadow a little bit in mm-hmm. high school, and I wanted to do everything she did. And I thought, well, she can do it. I can do it. Because I was also sort of a student accompanist for our, our director. Like, I would do some accompanying and you know, I was pretty good. So I went around my neighborhood in Redlands and taught piano lessons when I was 15 or 16 Mm -hmm. to kids and developed that, you know, and, and then um, I I don't remember at some point, I remember thinking, well, I could pursue theater. But if I'm singing opera, and I'm involved in musical theater, I'm still doing theater, right? Mm Because at the end of the day, we're all storytellers, we tell stories, it's just how do you tell that story? So it's not like if I go in this direction and I add music to the equation that I'm no longer acting. Mm -hmm. I just I get to kind of do it all. Mm -hmm. And so um, once I had again, like once I had made my mind up, I made my mind up. So I, I applied to one college and that was the University of Redlands. And I did this sort of early admission thing. I don't know if they do it anymore, but I knew by like November of my senior year that I had been accepted to Redlands. And Mm -hmm. I actually decided to double major because I wanted to study both music and English literature. So I made the crazy decision to double major. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so I, I studied music. I got a, a double Bachelor of Arts degree. And I, um, yeah, and that's that's kind of when I, I started to really develop my technique because I had taken lessons a little bit in high school, but I was singing all the time and singing naturally well, but I didn't really have any sort of technique i think i was behind a little bit in terms of like the mechanics of singing and maybe so. you were ahead <laughs> <laughs> i find so. that school school can sometimes uh t- you know fix it if it ain't broke that's the problem well and then when i got into school you know i i sang a lot of musical theater and and opera and it kind of you know i, I kind of wanted to do it all and then for a while it was in terms of like where my fach was going to settle, that was sort of nebulous because I had a big range mm-hmm. and I could sing a lot of different things pretty decently. And mm-hmm. so it really wasn't until I I transferred from Cal State Fullerton to Northridge in graduate school and I studied with David Scott that mm-hmm. he really got me moving in the direction of lyric soprano. And even now as a professional singer, I mean, I'll still do, I'll still, I'll still take contracts, especially if they're choral contracts sure. where I'll sing alto sometimes sure. because Depending on yeah, what kind of repertoire I have to sing, sometimes it's easier to kind of stay in the middle. And quite frankly, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you can so. read. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm singing sure. a, a bunch of Poulenc right now. We're getting ready to do with with uh, with De Angelis. We're doing a, a big French concert. And I'm singing alto one, and I'm like, you know, Poulenc is immensely more fun to sing as an alto. Sure, sure. <laughs> so. Now, what I'd like to get into with you is that you're, you're just starting your career for all intents and purposes. Um, 
as far as a solo career goes is that is that what you'd like to do what first okay so you're at cal state fullerton you decide that it's not for you so you go to cal state northridge you study with david scott uh and you come out of college when did you come out of northridge oh that's a good question 2008 oh okay so not so new so it's been 10 years so i've spent the last decade or so and the thing about fullerton that i've got to say is you know i really did have some lovely experiences singing with john i feel like when i did the hollywood bowl you know concerts and when i went on the tours and everything kind of like how you had said john taught you to read music like Mm -hmm. i I was we re- go with the Boston Pops. We exactly. go with Andrea Bocelli. See, and we I do did, video games live. We do all I those, did all that uh, stuff. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I was my musicianship. I think was was pretty solid. But the experience of working. Yeah, I, I, I have to say that's what I attribute to John. I feel like for me, John Alexander taught me how to be a professional singer. He really, that's the only way to do it too. I found uh, there's a big difference between a voice teacher telling you something academic mm-hmm. and another experience where you actually expected to perform on a professional level that's where i learned how i mean my first experience as a professional was with opera pacific while i was at cal state fullerton i was singing professionally with with opera pacific and you're lucky that you got to do which was great i wish i could have done that. it was great and uh and then i sang professionally for john uh with the pacific corral yeah and that coupled with the rigorous um schedule Mm -hmm. at the at the university Mm -hmm. Um, really did prepare me more than anything to be a professional. You well, know, and when you go from like, you know, I went from Redlands, which I, I had a great a- academic experience there, but, you know, Redlands is a little bit more isolated, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. so I literally go from that to going to Fullerton where all of a sudden I'm getting on planes and mm-hmm. touring with the Boston Pops or singing at the Hollywood Bowl and working with John Williams in the L.A. Phil. And mm-hmm. it's like you're working with – the, the best of the best. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Working, it's not a mock-up. It like, get, it's really no, it, happening. It's so I went from like zero to 100 within the course of a year, you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah. now I'm working with like the best people in this field. And so... Was it a hard transition for you? No. no. I was a little starstruck. Uh-huh. I mean, I kind of like there were times... I remember this one time because I've always been a huge film buff and I've loved film and film music since I was a kid. So I had this moment when I was on stage you know, rehearsing for the concerts we, we did with Williams. And I, I, I did have this moment where I was like, wait, what's happening? Am I, is this my life? Like, is this actually happening right now? Like, yeah. is, is anything going to get better in my life than, than this moment? Sure. So I had, I was a little bit starstruck, you know, I mean, you know, you're in a hotel and you're all, you know, having a drink or whatever and, and relaxing and, you know, Keith Lockhart walks through the door and it's kind of like, wait, <laughs> right, right. I'm actually on tour with Keith Lockhart and we're right. hanging out in the same hotel. Like this is, you know, so I had those kinds of, you know, head turning moments. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't think the transition was difficult. I just. Because I remember the reason I asked that is I remember the first time I went to an Opera Pacific rehearsal. Yeah. And it was Flying Dutchman. And so I had never heard Wagnerian singers in my yeah. life uh, other than on recording. Uh, I'd never gone to see a, a Wagnerian uh, show live. And I remember Mark Delavan opening his mouth. He was singing Dutchman. And I became so distraught. I couldn't, I just thought, oh, okay, well, the, nobody has told me that this is what's going to happen. And I came home and I thought, I got to do something else. This is, I, I'm not vocally prepared to do this kind of work. And uh, so that's where I'm coming from. I was, I felt like totally bamboozled until that day. Yeah, I, I 
don't know. Maybe it's because I don't know. Maybe I was overly confident or something, but I just kind of felt like you felt vocally. Uh, I mean, I felt prepared. like I, I don't know. I I've yeah, I've, it wasn't that it just it was, you know, I had colleagues like, you know, friends that had been at Fullerton for a couple of years and had been singing with John already. And so for them doing these things was they were in the groove of it, you mm-hmm. know, whereas for me, it was it was like brand new. Mm-hmm. And so. I was excited, but I think it was just, it took my mind time to adjust and realize this is, this is the gig. This is the job. You know, I mean, like I told you when I was at Redlands, I didn't even know about churches that hired singers. I didn't know that like you could actually, you know, make a, a, you know, a decent, at least partial living Mm -hmm. doing church and synagogue work and all of that. I had no clue. And it took me coming out, leaving Redlands and coming to Orange County and then L.A. and developing connections to realize, like, wait a minute, I can wait, make money doing these things. So, yeah. So let's talk about that. How do you put your how do you put your finances together? Do you solely work in music? Do you have another job? How do you survive? Um, Right now, it's singing and teaching lessons. Um, I mean, I, I have a pretty steady stream of gigs that come in. You know, I was given very good advice one of the turning points for me was it was around it was right after I graduated from Northridge. I I was fortunate enough to have uh, a consultation with with someone in the industry and he sat down. First of all, he completely, you know, raked my resume over the coals, which Who was, was awesome. So it was um so it was Marty Start because I studied briefly with Shigemi Matsumoto. Mm-hmm. After I left Northridge, because in many ways, you know, what she was teaching me was sort of an extension of Dr. Scott because she had been his student. And just to say Marty was with Columbia. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, was he the president of Columbia? I think he was was a real big VP, but don't quote me on that. But Mm -hmm. I know I think he he knows a lot about the business part of music. Yes. And so he was involved with Cami. And part of the deal of studying with Shigami was I got this consultation with Marty. Mm And so I remember him, you know, the first thing I did was give him my resume and he marked it up and kind of raked it over the coals in the most awesome way possible because mm-hmm. it's what I needed, mm-hmm. you know. So I went back, completely reformatted my resume. So he helped me, first of all, get my resume looking like a real resume, you know. Moriarty style, John Moriarty <laughs> yeah. from Boston. Yeah, yeah, he was a big resume guy. Yeah. yeah, and so that was that was awesome. And then one thing that, you know, I remember Marty telling me that, w- that has to this day resonated with me is that you know, he talked about the necessity of management on the East Coast versus the West Coast. And he said, you know, if you go into this thinking that all you're going to sing is opera, it's going to be, you know, difficult to make a living because there just isn't, you know, he's, I I don't want to misquote him, but if I'm remembering this 10-year-old, 12-year-old conversation, he said something about, he put it into perspective. He said, if you think about every university in the country producing one potential singer that could have a career just one singer Mm -hmm. think about all those people there aren't enough jobs for those people and that's that's the universe each university or conservatory producing one Mm -hmm. that could potentially have a career we went to produced you know four or five right so when he kind of put it into perspective for me in a way that made a lot of sense and so he said if you're willing to take your voice and you're willing to expand. I obviously sing music that's appropriate and for for what you know, for your voice Unless and everything. It pays really well. Yeah. He said, you know, you wanna you wanna stay within, you know, what you can do sure, well. But course. he said, you know, take this job, take divert basically what he said was diversify. And if you diversify 
and you're willing to take different kinds of singing jobs, mm -hmm. then you have a chance of being, you know, Making a, a successful working singer. And so that really resonated with me. So I did something completely unconventional. I never auditioned for a summer program. I did. I never auditioned for a pay to play. I never auditioned for a young artist program mm -hmm. because I was seeing my friends go into these young artist programs and not have careers. Well, yeah, there, and there are a few reasons for that. I mean, one of them is that you just oversing. They put you through the ringer. You've got to sing three fox in six months. And just, I, I did a couple of those and it's tough. And yeah, and then obviously, you know, you have a career. So it, I'm not saying it didn't work for any of my friends, but I saw, I would see my friends spend thousands of dollars oh, going and doing do these auditions. Mm -hmm. And maybe if they were lucky, they would get one or two pay to plays out of it. Mm -hmm. And then, and I just thought, you know, I, th that works for many people. For me, I had zero ambition to do that. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, no, I'm going yeah, to find another way. Again, I guess it was that independent streak in me. I thought I'm going to find another way. So I stayed in Los Angeles and I started auditioning for small regional companies. I start. I did a lot of, of work for gratis in the beginning. Me too. Um, I did seven roles in two years for free. Yeah. And, and it paid off because I sang one of those roles professionally. Yeah. And I, I mean, and in the meantime, I got a Dickens caroling job. I got a, a church job. I started, I kind of, I started getting that work, mm -hmm. you know, right away. And then of course, in the midst of those, I met other people that would hire me mm -hmm. for other things. You know how it goes. You just network, you meet, you've just got to get in. And once sure. you get in, you start meeting people. And I've always been pretty good, I think, at networking and getting myself out there. And I never waited for people to knock on my door. Mm -hmm. I would put myself out there. I would pay attention to what other singers were doing. Who were they working with? And I would contact those people, ask if I could give them my resume, ask if they had, a, if they were available, would they be willing to hear me sing? Right. I put myself out there. And and then I, you know, I worked with um, a wonderful, wonderful coach named Wendell Raymond Phillips, who's largely retired now. But I owe that man so much because he used to have these beautiful concerts at the kind of South salons, Pasadena. Right? Kind of, huh? Like salons in a way. Yeah, yeah. at the South Pasadena Public Library. Yeah. And he really, he, that man knew opera. He was such a lover of opera. And he liked to have us sing music that wasn't often performed. So I got to sing music from Arabella and Der Rosen Cavalier and just stuff that, you know, isn't necessarily performed as often as. For sure. And, and he coached me and uh, it, it was great. I mean. Is he still around? I remember him. Well, he retired and he lives in the desert, but he mm -hmm. used to be the caretaker for Nicolas Cage's mother. Mm -hmm. And so when we used to rehearse for these concerts, we would go to Cage's mother's home and she was an opera lover and so we used to be rehearsing opera and you know cage's mom would sit and listen to us and and we could talk with her and it was just it was great mm -hmm. and i got to get up and do these concerts and i met a lot of other people in the opera community through that and so i i definitely went through a period where i had to pay my dues but and now then, when you moved out when you moved out here from redlands you went mm -hmm. Obviously, you went first to Fullerton, then to Northridge. Were you supporting yourself through that well, whole thing? Well, I mean, when I was in grad school, I mean, largely, you know, I mean, I had, I had, um, I had financial aid to help right. me and right, stuff right, like right. that. Now, was I? And now, are you supporting yourself working? just in music? Largely, I mean, I'm in a position where it's like, like I said, now, you know, I, I'm getting quite a bit of work, yeah, and. Um, that's you, what I'm interested. You know. I'm I'm really interested in my listeners, especially who are in college. I have a lot of college age listeners. 
How to, I, re, I remember when I was in college, uh, I didn't come from a, a line of musicians at all. I started oh. singing when I was 24. I didn't. What uh, did your parents do? My stepfather was in real estate and my oh. mom has always been uh, a mom, a housewife. And, and there was, uh, so no classical music. No, no, no classical music. Uh, wow. I mean, my stepfather at the time was a classical music lover, but uh, we didn't get along that well. So I never was turned on to classical music. Yeah. So. Uh, I was studying to be a writer um, oh. and I had been accepted to the creative writing program at UCLA and I needed a, a class and I took a class uh, in junior college and it ended up being a singing class at Santa Monica College at 24. I had never studied music. so And then someone I, like, told you you could sing? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I ended up getting a scholarship yeah. and, and, and going doing that. Yeah. Um, but the point is, is that I really had to figure out, I, maybe because of the path that I took and how surreptitious it was, um, I really had to figure out how to put a career together. And for kids in college who may not be doing the summer programs and may not be going to young artist programs, um, it's really interesting to me to talk about how, uh, you, you know, I, I mentioned to you, I studied with uh, Mark Goodrich at Cal State Fullerton, mm -hmm. and we studied with him for 10 years probably. And um, the, one of the things he always said from day one was there's a million ways to skin a cat. He was never dead set on me graduating from college and having that be the end all be all. He uh, always was more interested in how to practically make a living as a mm -hmm. singer. And I don't think a lot of kids get that. I think. Um, well, I don't think you're taught that in university, right? Right. There's sort of like a, there's sort of a, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, please. But there's, I, I get very emphatic about this because me too. one of the things that I felt was such a disservice um, especially as a young singer, you know, just trying to figure out like, you know, how the hell do you do this? How do you pay the rent? Like, <laughs> how, how do, do you, you, like, how do you yeah. actually, I mean, we all have dreams of going and doing this, right? But right. how do you actually do it? And the problem is, is that, you know, for whatever reason, we're not, I think we should all be forced to take basic business classes. Mm -hmm. We should have to take basic classes on finances contracts. and all in contracts and, and I have to be honest with you in writing. I mean, you probably can appreciate this as a fellow writer, but I've always been an excellent writer. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, having my own company and having numerous singers' bios and things come my way, I have spent countless hours editing, having to just sit and edit singers' bios so that they would look Readable. decent yeah. enough to go up on, on our website. And I hate to say that, but... It, it kind of blows my mind that such educated, talented people often just cannot write. Yes. And I would spend time. I thought, you know what? I should start making a side job a out workshop. of this editing bios or, or make something. a workshop and teach or, people or, or, how to do yeah, it. Yeah. And I, I don't want to come across as condescending, but it's like it, it just it affirmed for me that somewhere along the line, just basic skill sets that are necessary for singers mm -hmm. simply are not there because look we're not all going to have a manager out the door that's going to take care of our package mm -hmm. or whatever you ha you are your business mm -hmm. you are your package and believe it or not having um a, a good resume and bio matters i mean i've come across you know i'm kind of in the position of being both a singer and a producer right so i see i sit on both sides of the table so I get resumes all the time. And there are times when, I mean, it, it'll literally blow my mind because a singer who has sung the title role in that opera will misspell that the opera. The opera. That, yeah. And I'm just like, how, how do you, how do you? Well, I think, yeah, 
I think part of the problem is that music is it's such a hard field to. I don't even want to say master. I don't know if anybody. I mean, I I work with Placido, and he seems to have mastered it. Um, yeah. But not many people master this business, and it is so difficult and takes so much time to be even proficient in what we do, yeah. both both as a professional and as a technical singer, just on the talent side. Yeah. Um, I feel that what is needed, though, is a broader education. I completely agree with uh, just you. Just a hu- humanities 100%. education. Where you need, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, we need to study the history of music. We need to study theory. We need to study all of these things. But we need to take a business class. We need a basic course on literature. Yeah. How do you actually sell yourself and sell yourself in a way that's going to be appealing so that someone's going to want to buy your product, which Mm -hmm. in our case is us, Mm -hmm. our voice, right? You know, resume workshops, writing just to, to just have a nice bio, you know, how, I mean, we need courses on, you know, what's appropriate to wear in an audition. How do you behave in an audition? Mm -hmm. Like what's actually a correct way to present yourself? Mm -hmm. These are just things that so often we have to learn along the way. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was never the most savvy business person. I mean, that's a skill that I've, I'm still continuing to develop. Mm, And I guess Mm -hmm. having co-founded my own company kind of helped because I did learn a lot about especially nonprofit business in the midst of that. But I think what I've always been naturally good at is kind of just getting out there and taking some risks Mm -hmm. and meeting people. And and, that's another thing you you can't teach is being a people person. Yeah. Um, And I think that's another area where teachers uh, in, in the academic field, voice teachers and administrators fail it's a two-sided coin because sometimes you you think somebody's just a terrible singer and they end up being singing at the Met. Right, um, right. And uh, but I think some teachers need to say, "Hey, you you've got to try and become a people person, or or try and because this business does in, encourage academics and it does appeal to people yeah. who are analytical. And sometimes those people aren't the best performers. They're not the I best am. handshakers. They're not the best networkers. I've had to learn social skills along the way too. I mm-hmm. mean, I've had, you know, I've had directors, you know, be fairly brutal with me about how I, you know, sometimes I can come across a certain way. And it's like, I would be completely unaware. Now they didn't fire me, I think, because, you know, you could sing. the talent, <laughs> everything was there. And it was that's, like, you know, another I thing mean, teachers don't tell you is I, that if you can sing, none of that matters. Well, and I mean, I'm thankful because these directors that, you know, at the time, you know, had to kind of teach me some hard lessons, but at least they didn't fire me. At least I was able to sustain the job. And they were like, look, you know, you're talented and I don't want to let you go. But here, here are five, I'm kind of generalizing, but sure. here are five things you need to work on. And so... I'm not making it sound like I'm some, you know, queen of of social. I've had to learn things along the way, too. And mm-hmm. I've, I've had, you know, people that have, you know, for the sake of, of they've, I guess, believed enough in my ability and talent that they've kind of gotten in my face and said, you've got to fix these things. Sure. Otherwise, it's going to hurt you down the road. Sure. And in retro, I mean, at the time, of course, no one wants to hear it. But, you it's know, a real gift, in though. retrospect, I'm like, you know, because some of these people I still work with now. And they're people that have hired me for five, ten years, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, I am so lucky that these people were honest enough and yeah. cared. Because that's the other thing that bothers me. I've always been just – I've always treasured honesty, you know. Of all of my – with all my character flaws, I think one thing that I am – 
is very honest, Mm -hmm. you know, and I believe in honesty and I, I lament the fact that so many people for whatever reason just won't tell people the truth. Mm -hmm. And then I don't think we do each other any, you know, service by doing that. I would rather have someone be honest with me and know where I stand and this is what I bring to the table and this is what I don't bring to the table. And so I'm very fortunate in that there were enough people that were honest with me about things that I needed to fix, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that have helped me quite frankly. Now you mentioned, um, starting a company. Yes. I would like to talk about that. Okay. Where is it? Tell me the name of it. How are we did it talk start? About poli- is, is politics still a part of it? Or are we- sure. <laughs> just- yeah, sure. We can talk about politics. <laughs> yeah, let's get it out there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Tell me about this company. Okay. Uh, Inland Opera? Sure. Is that the company you were referring to? Uh, about starting a company of your own? Yeah. Well, I had started Redlands Opera Theater with my best friend five years ago. Uh-huh. So Redlands Opera Theater was our opera company. And it was a professional company, but it was localized in Redlands. And so we started that in 2012. And it was an interesting, you know, it was an interesting experience because the thing that I found unfortunate was that Redlands is just a tough sell with opera. I thought for sure Redlands would be a sure thing because you have this great symphony orchestra and you have you know, Redlands the Inland, right. You have sure. the Bull Festival and, you know, Frank Fett has done great things during the summer there. And, and I, and you have these wonderful community choruses and all of this. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, we're just, we're bringing in something that's missing because of course, you know, the only time you could really get opera in Redlands was during the summer. You know, it's crazy too, is when I was a kid growing up in Redlands. Uh, it existed. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we had uh, John Raitt come and sing Oklahoma. They had, uh, um, I mean, some great taupe, uh, I forget, the Fiddler on the Roof, one of the big stars from Fiddler. They used to do all these Broadway really? shows out there. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know, my when I, I talked to you yesterday on the phone, my family's been out there for well, yeah. four generations. I and, mean, your uh, family's been there longer than mine. And uh, they, they used to be... Really, it used to be a really high caliber of, of singer. And well, I wonder and I what was, happened. I was really floored when you told me that there was a production of The Medium that was done in... I mean, that... Because Redlands Opera Theater's first full production was the medium. Actually, Josh Shaw, you know, mm-hmm. from Pacific Opera Project, came as a guest director and directed. It was phenomenal, and that was our first this production. Was five years the, ago. Yeah, and I have to tell you, the bar was set so high; it was really hard to sustain oh. that bar. So, were you still living out there at the time? Or yeah, what? you yeah, were. This I, is before you came to grad school. Oh no, no, no this was after. So you, you, you went back home. Yes, I did. Yeah, I went oh. back because after grad school. Um, I, my, so I left out that part of the puzzle. My parents insisted I get a teaching credential. Okay. They didn't know how long it was going to take for music to pan out. And they, they were very persistent in me getting a teaching credential. So I moved home and went to Cal State San Bernardino Mm -hmm. and got a teaching credential in English. Totally not using it. Graduated with honors. Well, you're using it that you can write a good resume. I'm using it it in that the skills, but I also, in the midst of getting that teaching credential realized, you know what, I'm a, I would be a very fine teacher but this is i you're not ready for that i do not want to teach no (laughs) in a public teaching like at a college level teaching voice lessons piano lessons all of that Mm -hmm. i love um because i love education and i love teaching but Mm -hmm. like i did realize especially in the midst of my student teaching in fact my master teacher i remember when she wrote me my letter of recommendation she said you know you would be a really really good teacher but you need to go be a singer like she actually told me that and i thought 
So what was the impetus for starting Redlands Arbor Theater? Well, my best friend and I were both graduates of the University of Redlands. And like I said, there was great stuff happening in Redlands. But I mean, opera was just, you know, remiss. And Mm -hmm. so we thought, well, I mean, we need to fill in a gap here. And and in 2010, my brother-in-law's father, uh, my brother-in-law is part of the family that owns a lot of property up in Oakland. And and my brother-in-law's father, it was a huge Gilbert and Sullivan enthusiast. And so he produced a Gilbert and Sullivan review Mm -hmm. and hired me and my best friend and some other people um, to, to be in this, um, in, it was two performances of an original Gilbert and Sullivan review and people came and they went crazy for Where it. Where was that performed? It was performed actually in the, um, in the opera house at Mill Creek Cattle Company. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> but it was kind of cool. You know, people could come and have barbecue. Right. And actually he had done a lot of research because, you know, there were traveling Gilbert and Sullivan troops from England that sure. came That's during the wild, was. during the wild west. And they, and Gilbert and Sullivan was immensely popular yes. in the wild west. So actually and all. And people would eat barbecue and watch opera. That's no, how and, they used and to actu- do it. And, well, and actually, so yeah, it, it made perfect. It sounds a little absurd, but no. it was actually like historically accurate opera was popular culture i mean in italy people would eat and talk and babies would cry and they'd throw stuff at bad singers and that was all that's how it happened yeah so i mean you know there was this little like you know western you know opera stage thing and people would and it it was really cool sure and people just came and they went nuts for it and they were saying we need more of this in redlands is that what got you thinking about opening your company so then my best friend tiana and i looked at each other and we're like you know be, maybe we need to do something with this. Mm-hmm. So because that particular production didn't go beyond the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but we thought, well, you know, let's see what happens. So I, I at the time, a former director, um, he who had been really involved in the theater scene in Redlands, um, he had directed me at, in a bull production of Meet Me in St. Louis at the, at the Redlands Bowl. It was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And he was at the time the curator of the Kimberly Crest. And so we went to him and said, throw an idea at you. What do you think? And he was enthusiastic about it. So he wrote a letter on our behalf saying, I wholeheartedly support this. I mm-hmm. think Redlands needs this. Um, was that the beginning of your fundraising effort? And well, it, it was, yeah. It how was did the, it happen? How, it, well, we just kind of took this letter and started going to local businesses and saying, look, we, we kind of want to get this thing going, but we mm-hmm. need help. And so people started, we had a fiscal sponsor at the time. And uh, we said, you just, we, we need money. because so you we just wanna, started selling advertising, basically. I mean, basically, we were like, I, I mean, I literally went around asking for donations. I was like, I want to do a We want to do a gala. We want to get this thing going. We need money. Mm-hmm. And people started donating money through our fiscal sponsor so they could get their tax deductions and everything. So had you already set up the... The, um, the nonprofit. Nonprofit, yeah. Well, that came in... I don't remember exactly how I think it came in a couple years afterwards because what happened was, like I said, we had fiscal sponsorship and then the company that was our fiscal sponsor was sort of dissipating because the director was really sick and mm-hmm. and and we realized, apart. OK, we kind of need to we need to be independent. So we, uh, you know, the, the process of becoming a nonprofit is not easy. Mm-hmm. So Tiana had started doing a lot of the work on her own and then um, we actually got some help Um and we, you know, submitted – and because everything was done correctly, we got our, our status within a couple months because we had been told it could take up to a year. But sure. Because there weren't mistakes that had to be corrected, you know, we got approved pretty quickly. And then we were our own nonprofit. But, um, yeah, so our first production – because we – you know, the first season or so, we just did more concerts and things. And then um, 
you know, we didn't have a resident director yet. So we asked Josh, you know, Josh was kicking things off with pop Mm -hmm. and building some notoriety there. And we're like, Hey, will you come to Redlands and, and direct the medium? And, and I mean, we had a shoestring budget for it, but Mm -hmm. I've got to say it was just, I mean, he had, you know, his concept for it was just, we had kind of had an idea of like, okay, we want it set in a spiritualist colony in New England in the 19th century. And Hmm. this is, this is what we wanted. And we gave it to him and said, you know, and we had cast it and we said, so here's our people, here's the concept. And then he took it and he just created a phenomenal production with special books flying off bookshelves and, and Mm -hmm. swaying chandelier during the seance scene. And I was to this day, I think, I would say that and our production of Johnny Skeeky were the two best productions we did. And when we did Johnny Skeeky, we had a lot of support from Earth Cafe because Golda Berkman made her professional operatic debut with us singing Loretta. And so we had, um, you know, her family, of course, was very supportive mm-hmm. and and really, really helped us out with that production. So I would say the medium and then that production of Johnny Skeeky. They're not from... Redlands. So no, they? no, they aren't. So you'd met but them I here. knew them because I was doing concerts with the Dream with, Orchestra. With Daniel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I met the Berkmans through just having been hired to sing these concerts. Sure. And so I, you know, kind of developed a relationship with the Berkmans. And of course, I loved Earth Cafe. And then um, it, just one thing kind of led to another. And we had this idea of, hey, let's bring Golda out to Redlands and have her sing an opera with us. And Loretta was a perfect role for her. Sure. And where did you and perform the at the ball? No, we did it actually at Kimberly Hall in the big congregational church. Huh. And uh, but her family was immensely supportive. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was just. It, I mean, really, it was just. It was a remarkably. Now they did have actually a very good friend, um, who was living in Redlands. He and he worked out in L.A., but he and his wife had purchased one of the old Victorians in Redlands. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and this friend of theirs had been on Broadway and all, I mean, fascinating, fascinating sure. man. And he actually ended up hosting a beautiful party for us after it was over at his home. And, and cause he has one of those historic homes close to where mm-hmm. I think you probably grew up. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, did you end up casting mostly local singers or did you always have to bring them in? No, most of our singers were from LA. How do you afford to do that? I mean, they have to well, stay somewhere. Uh, no, they they drove in. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they drove in. I think part of it was, you know, people were awesome and yeah. they wanted to sing. And I th- think generally they had a good experience with us. Um, I mean, yeah, I think the biggest complaint we had was just the distance, of course. Sure. But we always we always paid. I mean, that was the thing. Part of the deal was is we you know we never performed with an orchestra. We always performed with a piano because early on. When we were getting this going, I talked to some of my friends out here and I said, so let me throw throw something at you and you tell me mm-hmm. your opinion. Do you want to sing with an orchestra and not get paid or sing with a piano and get paid? And every single one of my colleagues that I talked to said I would rather paid. sing with a piano and get paid mm-hmm. because we all have other experiences sure. in which we can sing with an orchestra, and right? it's a long drive and yeah. blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. we decided, okay, well, we're going to we're gonna do these, you know, chamber style and make sure that our singers all get paid as much as we can pay them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did from the onset. We paid people and we were really diligent about, you know, we weren't paying them quite as much as Inland Opera is paying just because... Um, you know, Inland Opera is kind of going in a different direction in terms of the level of, of 
professionalism and what we want to bring to the table, especially since Inland Opera is a regional company, not a localized company. Mm -hmm. So to get some of the folks we want to get, you know, I have to keep the pay more competitive. When did you make that transition? This year. Really? Yeah. So, you know, after Redlands Opera Theater existed for about five years, we just realized, you know, we have a small study group of folks that are supporting us, but Mm -hmm. we cannot sustain or I mean, we might be able to sustain float along for a couple more years, but to grow in the way we want to grow, it's not going to happen if we stay status quo. So what do you do? Do you do grant writing? Do you do more aggressive? Not uh, yet. I mean, this year, the the biggest thing we've done in the transition from Redlands Opera Theater to Inland Opera is we had to do a lot of internal um, fixing. We have, you know, we don't have the same production team from Redlands Opera Theater. We have a new music director, Alini Sardal. I'm the artistic director. We have a new board of directors now. Um, we had to make sure at the, you know, that everything was because we are are the nonprofit that used to be Redlands Opera you just Theater. Rolled so it over we had into, yeah, mm-hmm. and so that rolling over process took time. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, you know, we're very excited because we're gonna have a website. Um, you know, Nathan Graner and Jamie Chamberlain just launched a new business for web development and they're gonna design a landing page for us. Right. And which thrills me because I'm super happy that I can support and, you know, hire. I'm, I've always been so big. I've I've gotten a lot of, of a lot of my colleagues some good work, you know, just because people have asked me for recommendations. And it makes me happy when we can help each other out. It's a and hard business. I've so, always said that, you know, this I what love we do being is able so do that. hard yeah. that I, I have no patience for people who backstab or try and defeat other singers. It is so hard to just... Do yeah. it in the best possible circumstances. It's so one thing I if believe you, in that too. Yeah, if you see bad behavior or something, then I've, then I just make mental note and I go, okay, I'll never hire you. You yep. know, but um, and and there and there's a, a small group of people that I would never hire. Mm-hmm. You know, because I have seen, we've all seen bad behavior. Sure. But I've got to say that most of the people that I work with are lovely, and if I can get them a job or if I can support a business that they're starting or something, mm-hmm. that's really important to me. Um. And so, yeah, so we're just, this has been a big year of just, of making a lot of internal change. We did have a, um, a gala in the fall and it was a beautiful, a beautiful gala in Redlands. Um, and we, ha- we did a benefit concert and we did a couple education outreach programs that were sponsored by the Redlands Noon Kiwanis. But, you know, we have kind of fixing things internally and making that rollover, that change has been the big point of focus for us this year. Mm-hmm. So now we're starting to talk about, you know, fundraising campaigns and connecting with arts councils. And because part of the thing is, is, you know, we're not going to just be in Redlands now. So now we're talking about expanding. You know, we'd love to expand into the Temecula wine country and into, into the desert and into as a traveling different show communi- or as a- just. Yeah, where we would go into different communities mm-hmm. and just produce events. And, you know, my goal is that if we're going to do like concerts that we can also um, my sister had a brilliant idea of teaming up with you know, people that are local producers, Mm -hmm. right? Which is something that's very popular now with companies, you know, to have an event where you might have a concert and you might bring in, you know, this, you know, this business or this business and you all kind of come together and create something um, that's mutually beneficial. So I love supporting local businesses and there's a lot of great local businesses um, in the Inland Empire. So we kind of want to put collaborative things together Mm -hmm. and then you know once the money i mean once we start having some serious money we would like to find 
an opera house or or a theater space someplace where we can be producing fully blown, you know, regional productions with orchestra and the whole, Mm -hmm. you know, all the bells and whistles. But, you know, that may take a couple years because those are immensely, you know, expensive to produce. Now, if you had a choice moving forward uh, between um, being a soloist around the world and Mm -hmm. being an opera administrator, which would you choose? A soloist around the world. Really? Yeah. So um, what is it with inland uh, opera? I mean, do you, do you see that as a possibility for you? Is, it, is, that, is, that, the, is that your parents' uh, idea of putting a few eggs in a different basket? No, no. My parents didn't really have much to do with that. I mean, no, I mean that, th- that, in terms that of sentiment. The, is, it, is, um, that, is that where you get it? Like, well, I better have no, this other thing going. I mean, it, in producing Was it just concerts a different... and events for Inland Opera, I mm-hmm. mean, it obviously provides well-paying work for myself, but obviously not just me. I'm paying other people, mm-hmm. too. And like I said, with Inland Opera, we've only done a couple of events, but, you know, we've kept the, the pay grade, you know, high enough that I think it we can get, you know, very good, good people to come and work with us. Mm-hmm. And, and also now we usually rehearse in LA. So we'll do the events. Like if they're in Redlands, we'll do the events in Redlands, but we'll rehearse out here. I see. Um, which I'm is just saying, I guess what I'm thinking is like, is maybe, maybe the, uh, maybe owning <laughs> and running an opera company is going to be analogous to choir uh, in that, like you maybe you want to do this other thing a little bit more, but everything's kind of in the groove going this other way. Well, I'd are, like are to, you open to that? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to take Inland Opera. One of the things that, you know, we've talked about is trying to develop, you know, because we want to do collaborative work. I mean, Red, one of the things that Redlands Opera Theater did was collaborative events with other organizations. Um, and we would, as Inland Opera, love to do that. We'd love to build international connections and you know, we've already talked about, you know, some possibilities of how, how we can go and maybe lead master classes and do performances, mm-hmm. you know, in other parts of the world and then bring bring those artists over as guest artists for us. I mean, that we're talking, you know, down the line, but we would definitely like to branch out internationally and just, you know, bring bring world class international artists to come and do things with us. Mm-hmm. We can go and perform with them. I mean, I I don't know how big Inland Opera is going to go. If it gets huge, then it's certainly going to be something I may have to pass the hat a little bit and and say, okay, this is what I can. Because as much as I love being an artistic director, at the end of the day, I love performing, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. so if it ever grew to a proportion beyond my scope, then I would at that point, you know, have to bring some other people on because – Inland Opera is one part of my performance career, but I mean, it's, I would not say it's the majority of it, you know, so I have a lot of obligations elsewhere and I do want to continue to expand. I love the choral work that I do. I love all of it. I love the solo work. I'm kind of like, you know, we Mm -hmm. find a way of doing several things. I love performing with chamber choirs. And if I get a contract to perform in a large ensemble, then I do solo work and I love it all. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard. I don't know exactly like you just have how to keep pushing gonna, yeah, I, I, every, every, every which d- direction. You know, it's like I kind of have learned to take things as they come yes. because you never can fully anticipate in which direction it's going to go. Sure. You know, I haven't auditioned for L.A. Opera yet, and I would love to do that. I've, I've never, you know, there are certain kind of big milestones like that. 
I've, I haven't auditioned for the Master Crow. I mean, I know a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, from the opera and Master Crow because we work together in other capacities. But those are, you know, I haven't done a couple of those big auditions yet. So, you know, of course, those are things that I need to to audition for. But I mean, quite frankly, I've just I've kind of been sustaining myself with with all these other contracts. But mm-hmm. of course, you know, I would love to sing with the opera, the master crowd, if those opportunities presented themselves. So, I mean, I have my goals, of course. And what's coming up? What's next for you? Well, I have, um, I'm going to be doing a concert with Lark Music Society next weekend. We start rehearsals for that tomorrow night. I'm doing a concert with DeAngelis, a vocal ensemble, a beautiful French program, all 20th century Poulenc and, and his contemporaries. And I'm going to be the soprano soloist in Mendelssohn's Elijah, which I'm very excited about. Mm-hmm. And I'll be doing a, a concert at the Country Club in Redlands in June. I'll be performing for the Riverside Opera Guild again in, in May. Um, I'll be singing a Vivaldi Gloria at St. Mark's uh, Episcopal in Glendale. Um, I, I'm singing, um, I'm doing some uh, cantering now at uh St. Finbar's Catholic Church in Burbank, which I'm loving. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to canter with more regularity, so getting back into that's exciting for me. And I have, uh, yeah, I just have a lot. I have a wonderful church job in Corona Del Mar. And uh, gosh, what else? I have, we're trying to figure out if we may do another Inland Opera event this season. So, you know, right now our big thing is getting um the web developed our website developed Mm -hmm. with nathan and jamie but um that's like the next immediate project sure now that we're officially inland opera and we have our own bank account and everything's officially rolled over right so that's another thing is i tend to like get overwhelmed and i have to learn to just compartmentalize yeah take it Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah i have so i have uh Lots of stuff coming up. I have, yo, and I'm doing a an opera gala with Celestial Opera Company. It's their 20th anniversary, so I'm happy to be a part of that mm-hmm. and to support them. They're a wonderful company, and they've done some good work. Is that so. with Kristoff? No. That's with Judy Townsend. Oh, Judy Townsend, Yeah, right. in South Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, yeah. Well, great. Yeah, so anyways. Well, that's how you do it, folks. That's how you make a living in music. The lovely Krista Stevens. Thanks for coming over, Krista. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And please listen to my daily podcast, Living with a Genius Daily. You can find it on Facebook. Uh, You can find it on Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you all for listening. Be kind. Do good work. And until next time. You probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius. Get on to my show.